Yes. For this third Sunday after the Epiphany, January the 21st, the hymn is going to be, O Christ, our true and only light. You're listening to Law and Gospel. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me will be Mark Smith after we hear this hymn. Christ, our true and only light. This was written in the midst of the 30 years war. And the song directs the singer away from destruction, devastation, and disruption of peaceful reformation and counter-reformation to daily life in the realm of faith and hope in the Savior, Jesus Christ. The author of this was Johann Hermann. He died in 1647. And he modeled this hymn on a prayer by a Jesuit, Petrus Michaelis. It was for unbelievers and those who have gone astray. In other words, how touchingly Herman in this hymn prays for the enemies of the church, for the weak, for the faint-hearted, for their salvation. The English version in LSB is a reworking of the translation by our favorite translator, Catherine Winkworth. And this hymn by the way, is the hymn selected for Epiphany 3 in the three-year series, which we are now talking about. 
I'm not as familiar with this hymn. Are you, Pastor Smith? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And and the melody, too. It's, uh, yeah, it's a good epiphany hymn, and it is, it's actually under the, uh, the superscript of Mission and Witness. That's what's at the top of the page in the hymnal. So it, it is definitely a mission hymn, uh, but it's also, you know, it, it's, it, it comes under the, uh, the overarching theme of, of Epiphany. Epiphany has a strong mission emphasis. Why is that? Well, I think, I suppose it's uh, partly due to the fact, how does Epiphany begin? It begins with the coming of the Gentile wise men uh, yeah. to see the little Lord Jesus. And uh, Epiphany is... It's the unveiling of Christ, uh, and and you in in the Sunday lessons uh, it shows Jesus his unveiling his power over miracles and such. I think of the miracle that he performed in the land of the Gadarenes, uh, which was pretty much a Gentile, a non-Jew area, and uh, how how those miracles made an, an impact on the Gentile world. Well, the one I'm thinking of is the Old Testament reading from yes. Jonah chapter 3. Here comes Jonah to Nineveh, a town right. he hates because it's a Gentile town, and he only preaches for one day, even though the city is three days in journey, and the whole town comes to faith. Yes. Boy. And the Ninevites, you know, the Ninevites... Uh, the the Jews hated the Ninevites. They were so uh, the Assyrians were so militaristic and uh, and mean. And uh, exactly. So uh, so Jonah really, in fact, he didn't want them to be brought <laughs> to repentance either. No. Uh, when that happened, he was up on a hill, and a plant that was shading him from the sun kind of depleted. And he got angry at God for that. And God says, well, you don't care about the people down in Nineveh? Right. So, stanza one, please, of O okay. Christ, our true and only light. O Christ, our true and only light, enlighten those who sit in night. Let those afar now hear your voice, and in your fold with us rejoice. So to whom is this first stanza addressed? That's, uh, that's particularly to people afar, uh, people all, of all nations, all over the world, all the far reaches of the globe. I think the word far means apart from Christianity. Okay, that, that too, of course. Nobody, nobody is left out of God's love. He reaches no, out to all. But the first stanza, enlighten those who sit in night. Yes. Who is that referring to? Anybody who's outside of the faith. Exactly. And let those afar now hear your voice and in your fold with us rejoice. Right. Now, if that isn't a good law and gospel point of view, how does one come to faith and is saved? Faith cometh by hearing, 
and hearing by the word of God. Exactly. Not by our works. No. We can do all the works what we want to do, but they all fall short of the glory of God. Yes. So, uh, you know, I, I occasionally I'll hear uh, uh, Billy Graham's son making those uh, gospel outreaches on uh, on TV through his uh, advertisements uh, of his ministry. And, uh, of course, he stresses the decision that we ourselves must make. No, it's, no. it's not a decision that we make. It's, it's what God, God is the one that takes the initiative. God's he reaches out to us. decision, not ours. Right, exactly. And the best Bible verse to remember that, you... I have chosen you. You have not chosen yourself. That's right. So this is really good. This is during the 30 Years' War. Can you tell us a little bit about the 30 Years' War? No, I can't, Tom. I'm more of an American history buff. Uh, uh, I'm sure there – I know it was a a long war, needless to say, 30 years. I think there were some some religious – emphases behind it well it was between the reformation people and the roman catholics right Uh uh-huh exactly and of course this hymn therefore is telling them not to be so sad or discouraged but to realize that in christ all things will work out together so i'll go ahead with stanza two Fill with the radiance of your grace the souls now lost in error's maze. Enlighten those whose inmost minds some dark delusion haunts and blinds. Now, what I find interesting in these first two stanzas are the metaphors. The first one talks about sitting at night, those who are far off. And then the second stanza, the souls now lost in error's maze, M-A-Z-E. What's a maze? A maze is a, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a puzzle. It's uh well yes. you know I think of these I think of these corn mazes that a lot of the kids like to go to in the fall where yes. some of these farmers will set up these mazes and it's and the the object of course is to find your way through them and uh uh so a maze is a puzzle through which we have to make our way and of course we can't we can't make our way out of error without God helping us uh the the first stanza of course is an overarching mission emphasis and this one deals i think specifically with those who are lost in uh, the maze of error and uh, con- confusion yeah what Partic- kind of errors would you think that would be occurring during this time of the 30 years war oh boy well uh I would say uh, I, I'm, I'm sure it has it has some uh, 
something to say about the errors of Roman Catholicism, of the medieval church. And, of Wouldn't course, you? well, the fighting that's going on. Yeah. You know, people are dying, and they're scared about the enemy coming against them. Yeah. And they're wondering, where is God? And do we find that ever in our congregations, people in errors maze? Oh, yes. Absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, people get people get confused uh, yes. a, a, about, you know, they other you have others that will distort and mislead others uh, by conf confounding and confusing the gospel, um, leading them astray. In fact, every sermon begins with the law showing where you are in a maze. And then the gospel comes through showing how you are rescued from that maze and enter into the kingdom of God. Yeah. For instance, what maze was uh, Jonah? You know, what maze was he in? He had, he had lost sight of the preciousness of life, even the life of the Ninevites. Exactly. He did not love his neighbor. No. That's the maze he was in. To the point where he tried to run away from God. A, a, a great historical event that nobody can run away from God. You know, it began with Adam and Eve when they tried to hide in bushes because God is omnipresent. Yeah. He's everywhere. Yeah. And and can you imagine Jonah making that mistake? He he ran in the opposite direction. He fled to Tarshish, which was uh, Spain in that day. He went in the opposite direction. God told him to go to Nineveh uh, yeah. in the east. He went west, and and as if he thought he could actually get away from God. God yes. showed him that he was uh, that he was the master over 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 the whole world and uh, in fact over the whole universe and particularly the the sea remember yes. how he saved him from the midst of the sea with that large fish exactly with that large fish great yeah all right stanza three please oh gently call those gone astray that they may find the saving way let every conscience soar oppressed in you find peace and heavenly rest. What do you think is the most important word in that first phrase? Oh, gently call God those gone astray. Um, well, I think that that first verse, you know, the first, the first stanza dealt with overarching mission outreach. The second dealt with those that are lost in error. The third stanza deals with those that are afflicted with, uh, they're, they're sore oppressed. They're afflicted uh, in heart and mind. They're, uh, so what's the most important word in comfort. that first phrase? I, gently call yeah. those gone gently. astray. Gently, right. Yeah, th this is dealing with people that are afflicted and in, in dire need of the comfort of the gospel. Yes. Now that gently, do you think that Jesus was gently with 
Peter when he said to him at one time, get thee behind me, Satan? No, not in that instance. Well, I think he was. <laughs> well. <laughs> he could have destroyed him. He was stopping him from doing his mission. And instead, he criticized his unbelief in a gentle way. Uh-huh. That's well, how I, I think, understood that. Yeah, well, I think, too, of how comforting uh, Jesus was with Peter when Peter tried to walk out with, on the water uh, to, to Jesus, and he saw the wind and the wave, and he began to fall, uh, fall beneath the waves. But he reached out. He knew, he knew who to go to for comfort. He reached out to Jesus, Lord, save me. And, uh, of course, Jesus uh, lifted him up from the waves and, and helped him back into the boat. Exactly. And, and later on at the end when Peter was upset over what Jesus was saying about other disciples who were going to live forever, and he was wondering if he was going to also. And he got angry at Jesus for that also. But that's interesting. Yeah, Peter is hoofing the mouth, Peter. Yeah. I'll read stanza four. Shine on the darkened and the cold. Recall the wanderers to your fold. Unite all those who walk apart confirming the weak and doubting heart. Now here again we get the metaphor that these people are in a darkened and a cold state. Uh, we talked earlier before the program today, what was the question you asked me? About oh, the cold. Uh, about the cold. You know, it's, it's very frigid out, and I, I wondered if I wondered if anyone would be down there at the at the studio to help us uh, orchestrate this broadcast. Right, but I assured you that they would. Yeah, because that's their job, and boy, sometimes they leave early in the morning, etc. But it shows how we think that it's not good to be in the dark or in the cold. Now, I don't mind cold so much as I mind the wind. Yeah, oh boy. Tom, I would say the emphasis on this stanza is though reaching out to those who are wandering. Uh, yes. That's wander, that's a, that's a key word in that in that stanza, in that fourth stanza. That's good. Wandering away and bring them to the fold. So how do we people wander away from the fold? Well, they walk apart. As it says, those who walk apart. Uh, you, you know, there are many people that are on the, on the edges of the church, and yes. yet they, they, they walk apart from, from us. Uh, this, this is an outreach hymn. Uh, not only reaching out to the gospel, but also to embrace people and bring them back on track in the faith. How does the last phrase indicate the problem? 
Confirm the weak and doubting heart. Yes. Confirm them. In other words, strengthen them in the faith. Well said. Yeah, well said. Particularly, That's the purpose of every sermon. Yeah, particularly uh, those that are doubting. You know, uh, and, and you can have doubt even in the midst of faith. There's, a, there's people that are in the faith, but nevertheless they have, they have, uh, they, they tend to wander, and uh, and they have doubts about some aspects of our faith, and, and that too is what we need to reach out to. Can you give an example of doubting while you still have faith? Okay, uh, let's let's take people that. Uh, that believe they believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior, but let's say they they doubt the importance of baptism. They well, don't believe that baptism. They don't believe that baptism actually now saves us, as we're told in the Scripture. Yes. Uh, or they don't. Or they don't believe that the body and blood of Christ is there in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. Of the Lord's Supper, right? Now they're they're they believe in Jesus as our Savior. But uh, we, want to, we want people to have the full comfort of the gospel. We want them to know that uh, Jesus comes to us through his gospel, through his uh, sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper. He's very much in our midst. Those are called the means of grace. Exactly. What does that mean? It's the means that he uses uh, to save us. He, he actually, that little infant that is baptized... When that little infant is too too small to understand, nevertheless, God's Holy Spirit uh, enters that little infant and makes his that little body his temple and and brings him in the faith, washing away all of his sins. Yes, I think that's one of the most exciting things that a pastor does is the baptism of infants. Absolutely. So, and then the next exciting thing is, of course, the communing of adults. Yes. Well, what what's are, the uh, those are great those are great privileges that we have give to people before they commune. What was that, Tom? I'm sorry. What's the message you would give to people before they commune? Well, the importance that, uh, of, of repentance, repenting of our sins, and to, and to let them know that, that God has, has washed away their sins already in baptism. And not only that, he gives them double assurance by uh, letting them partake of his own body and blood for the forgiveness of their sins. Exactly. That's why we practice close or closed communion. What does that mean? Uh, close communion. Actually, the more historical term is closed with a with a D. Uh, it means that uh, we want people to partake of communion to their to their comfort and to their up, uplifting, and uh, uh, we don't want people to partake to their detriment to their judgment uh, by not knowing what they're partaking of. Exactly. That's why it's closed. Right. You know, because of our love for people. Exactly. What What do we encourage adults to do before they commune? Well, to take instruction. Exactly. And understand 
what that communion is about. Well said. Okay, final stanza, number five. Okay, that they with us may evermore such grace with wondering thanks adore, and endless praise to you be given by all your church in earth and heaven. And here, Tom, I would say the the overarching, well, uh, we've talked about mission in general. We've talked about those lost in error's maze. We talk about those that need comfort. And we've talked about those that wander from the truth. And this, is, this emphasis here in this last stanza is to unite all in the, in the one saving church. Uh, the church not only on, on earth, but also the, the church in heaven as well. Yeah, there's a phrase there that might need explanation if you're talking to your children about this hymn. What does it mean, wondering thanks? Mm, let me think. Such grace with wondering thanks adore. You know, that's not that's not a word that drew my attention at, at first, tell you the truth. Um, wondering thanks. Well, it's thanks that it, it's thanks uh, we're in awe over all God has done for us and continues to do for, for us as His children. That's what the word wondering is. It means, yes. wow, that's really something. That's important, and we wonder how is that possible? A human being dies on the cross, rises from the dead, ascends into heaven and gives us salvation through his message. That's something we really think is a great wonder. You got any other comments? No, I'm left speechless, Tom. I'm lost in wondering thanks. (laughs) (laughs) You know... It's a good hymn. It's a good hymn. And it's the hymn of the day, as you said, for this coming Sunday. It's a good epiphany hymn and a good mission hymn. It could be used year-round, not just an epiphany. Yes. It really shows how good a translator also Catherine Winkworth was. Yes, bless her heart. God rest her. She's wonderful. All right. Tomorrow on Law and Gospel, we'll continue with our study on Proverbs. Join us at 930 Thank you, Pastor Mark Smith. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. Join us each day, law and gospel. God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 930 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check out to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. 
Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.